This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gunatool back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series, a show in which we react to the latest Arsenal fixture and we've turned these solo shows into a bit of a group effort and today's show I'm very, very happy to be joined by some faces both familiar and nostalgic this evening. Looking forward to bringing back an old favourite but first of all let's welcome Dan Potts. How you doing mate? You good, you well? Hello, bruv. Yeah, I'm all good. Tom, absolute pleasure as always. Thanks for having me on mate and uh, looking forward to the show as always, bruv. Absolutely. No, smashing it. Did you have a good New Year's? Did that go well? Loved it, mate. Loved it. I had a, Well, I had a chilled New Year's. Christmas was a bit mad. My niece and nephew are five and three, so it's the wrong mm. age, really, for kids to look calm. They're just mad. It's just mad, yeah. overwhelming for them. But my New Year's Eve was chilled, helped by a nice little football match beating Brighton 4-2. So I enjoyed mm. myself, bro. Thank you very much. I hope you did too. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was New Year's Eve was interesting because I was at the Amex drive home, only car on the M25, which is a weird experience, you know, that's, when you're driving oh, back at bizarre, about 11 o'clock at night. It is bizarre, um, but it was, you know, it was nice and clear and, and got back swiftly enough. So happy days. Also joined uh, by my former colleague from the Arsenal way, it's Guy. How you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Good evening. Yeah, I'm on Tenter Hooks. Did you make it back for midnight for the celebrations? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I got back and everybody was, you know, I was basically got through the door and was like, just give me a beer someone give me a beer now yeah, you know? and yeah, i've really yeah. been cutting down on the beers but i was like i've had i've worked new year's eve i've worked boxing day i need a beer i was off the day after so it was all happy days after that but yes no, did. how was yours yeah good like dan enjoyed the arsenal feet up and uh well by the end there was a, a few hairy moments wasn't there dicing with danger but uh we got through yeah. it and yeah then able to welcome in the new year in the best possible way arsenal top of the league who'd have thought Indeed. Fee were not up uh, for me at all come the end of that game. They were very much edge of the seats, just willing the whistle to go. But uh, thankfully, we did get it over the line. Uh, and making up our complete cast today, uh, he's got more Twitter accounts suspended than he has followers. It's Wayne. How you doing? You good, Joel, mate? Are you there, Wayne? Or have you lost connection? I think there might be a delay, to be fair. Are you there? Have we lost him? This is classic, like, back in the day, internet. He's yeah, there. Um, yeah, your internet is a bit dodgy, Wayne. You might need to just come back in or go out and come back in. That might be the way to fix it. It was fine a second ago, so I don't know what's happened. Um, but you might need to just yeah, reset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're here. You're just a bit fuzzy. <laughs> 
we'll try and get Wayne back shortly. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a looking a bit fuzzy at the moment, Wayne. You might want to reset and come back in. It was fine a second ago, so I don't really know what's happened there. Um, thanks, everybody, joining us in the chat box. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for the kind donation. Good afternoon, gentlemen, uh, from Fort Lauderdale Gooners. Hope you guys are doing good and well. Thank you so much for joining us, fella. Um, thank you, everybody, that's joining us as well in the chat box uh, and joined really early on. I can see people joining at f- 10 past four in the afternoon before we went live to drop in nice comments. So thank you for that. Much appreciate it. Let's get your raw reaction, Dan, to yesterday's nil-nil draw with Newcastle. Off you go. Well, I did something crazy, Tom. I predicted a 3-2 Arsenal win because I had the opinion that Arsenal, uh, sorry, Newcastle would come to the Emirates and give us a go. Um, and maybe that was foolish. I think the hype of Newcastle this season has been justified in parts. But what I didn't expect was then to come try to park the bus and try to time waste, fall on the floor, just hack us. And it's funny because I was on with Matisse the other night and he said, what has a team done so far to try and mm. do something different to Arsenal? And I nearly said hack us. <laughs> I nearly <laughs> said kick us off the park and hack us. That's what hasn't been done yet. Um, and that's what Newcastle tried to do. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Newcastle and sound like I'm being a crybaby here when I say this, but I expected them to come and try and play football. Um, and they didn't. Now, I've got nothing against that because we've seen teams do that to us before. Um, so I suppose I was a little shocked that they did that. In the 27th minute, I see him time-wasting, and I thought, ah, oh, it's going to be one of them. Okay, it's going to be one of those games. They're going to take the point. Fair play to them. Their game, play, uh, their game plan worked. They got the point that I thought that they come to collect. Some Newcastle fans will think that's harsh, me saying that, and think that they could have won the game. Yeah, they could have won the game. So could Arsenal um, did try and play football and they didn't from what I could see. Now, they're defensively very, very good and we found it very hard to break them down. But the one really obvious for me, Tom, was our bench is so weak, mate. And when you've got a mm. manager who doesn't trust Marquinhos or Vieira to come on because the drop-off is so much, that is for me saying, look, I'm trying here, but you're going to have to give me something in January because I ain't got anything here to win us a mm. game. And when it's nil-nil at Newcastle and you're looking for that guy to bring on and you don't have it, we're just lucky here and open and I just hope that we do something because for me when you're going to have teams that are now looking at that approach and thinking okay they've got something at the Emirates there we're going to have to come and make sure that we can take the three points and not just the one having said that Tom I will say that if you can't win a game then don't lose it and that's exactly what we did we balanced in our play and we managed to keep them out as well Having said that, I don't think they've really peppered our goal too much. I don't remember Ramsdale making too many from the stats. I think they only had one on target. So they certainly came with a game plan that worked and they'll take the nil-nil and be happy. And the celebrations at the end suggested from their fans and their players that that's exactly what they wanted and they got exactly what they wanted. But eight points clear, mate, and let's see what happens for the rest of the games, bro. Yeah, uh, we'll see if it's eight points come Thursday evening, of course. Man City play Chelsea. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, they've got a really difficult period, actually, this win. So they go up against Man United just like us. Uh, and it'll be an intriguing kind of barometer of where Man United have grown in these last eight games, of which they picked up, I think, seven or even eight in the last nine, maybe. Eight in the last nine wins. It's, it's something like that. So in Ten Hag's really turned it around for them and then they play us. So very interesting indeed about how that's going to turn out and how the kind of table will look, I think, come the end of this month that's going to be important going into that game against Manchester City. Have we been able to kind of keep enough of a buffer to make sure that we can go into that game against City knowing that the result is not unimportant, but certainly was going to have as less of an effect on the table as it possibly could. Guy, coming to you, mate. Your raw reactions from yesterday's draw, off you go. Yeah, I think it was one of those where we're not going to win every home game. Um, And 
I think sort of what Dan said there, in terms of Newcastle, they they went to Liverpool and they did something very similar from the first minute. Effectively, as much as they're third in the table, the reason Newcastle are there and a lot's been said about it is because Eddie Howe has effectively coached a, a, a very poor side from last season, made some key upgrades to the likes of Trippier, Pope and, and Bruno Gimaraes have, have come into the side. But therefore, they aren't. They, they don't just play with abandon and they don't just open up and go everywhere and, and play swashbuckling football eventually for Newcastle. That may well come, but they've been working with what they've got. They dig in and they do what they do. I mean, it was, in, in terms of what Dan said there as well, it's the first time this season in, in which obviously we haven't won uh, a home league game where equally the the blueprint was there start very very fast which we did but we didn't get the breakthrough against Spurs I know it wasn't sort of an early early goal but we did get the first goal in the game midway through the first half and from there we can then really assert ourselves and boss the game against Liverpool we scored in the first minute we didn't quite find that breakthrough against Newcastle and then as time went on we eventually second half needed something from the bench I don't think taking Nketiah off would have been the answer, but mm. adding someone extra into the mix to just load the penalty area, really, and try and find that breakthrough. I mean, Dan mentioned there about Fabio Vieira. I, I too, was sort of sat there thinking, this this is surely a game where he's going to come on. And he's flattered to deceive in a number of sort of the Europa League games where he's perhaps played with some of the second string players. But when he's been slotted into that first eleven like he was at Brentford away. He's looked really impressive at times. And I thought, actually, is it time for for him to just come into the side and see if he can be the player to unlock it? Equally, Mm. were we missing someone to unlock a defence? I don't think we were. We had Zinchenko. Xhaka was picking up decent positions. So too Erdegaard. It was just someone to be there to get on the end of something. Eddie tried his best, had a shot well saved by Nick Pope. But at the end of the day, give Newcastle their credit as well. It's it's probably the kind of away performance for near on a decade, if not a decade. We've sort of been crying out for Arsenal to to go mm. away to a big side and put in, dig in, batten down the hatches and, uh, and, and get out with a point. We've not done it on a number of occasions. We've been schooled. They came and they got their point and we move on. Eight clear as it stands. Let's see where we are come the end of the week. Yeah, we'll see where we are at the end of the week. But I think you summed it up really well in particular, kind of the areas of of what we were lacking up top. And, I, you know, we'll talk about transfers uh, in this show because you can't avoid not talking about transfers at the moment with everything that's going on. Wayne, I know that we may have lost video, but are we going for audio only? Can we hear, can we hear you there? Have we got you? I'm going to guess no. Oh, I can. Hold on. I can hear you. There might be a delay, though. Massive delay. I literally, this this has been working just for fine and and before just fine. As soon as it's dropped off a off a cliff here. Right. Well, I don't know if we can muddle through your raw reactions, and then maybe and you need to reset the router. But I I did hear you, um, and there was probably about a three second delay. So maybe you can get your your reactions to the Newcastle game, and then reset your router. That might be the way forward. Yeah, one of the only games of the season where I've actually been actually physically angry um, throughout a game. Like, 
it was there. I it think was, we're going to have to lose one. him, unfortunately. I'm, just, I'm really sorry, Wayne. You, you keep cutting out. Um, I'd say reset the router and come back. But uh, it's, it's, like, it's, not, it's like he's coming for a cushion. That's like, like speaking for a cushion <laughs> at the moment. It was but, crystal uh, clear before we started. He was. He was yeah, fine. Like, I don't bizarre, get it. It's yeah. so strange. I've never seen that happen. Uh, we, as we were saying, for people listening, we were talking with Wayne just before we came on. Don't know what's happened there. Um, but really, really strange. Let's go into some of the finer details. Um now, you said at the start in your reaction, Dan, that you know Newcastle came to basically play a certain type of game. Um, Arteta said in his post-game uh, interview that he felt that we made them play that way, that they haven't had to play that way all season. I disagree with him. I, I think that Newcastle came to play the way that they did and it worked. And I liked what Guy said about, you know, when we've got to say Liverpool or Man City and we you know, maybe you'd been better off trying to do what Newcastle did to come away with a better result than we have done with the four and five nil drubbings we've received in the past. Is this a lesson learned? And and also importantly, is this maybe a, a blueprint for other teams that might visit the Emirates later on in the season? Well, I think that's the worry, Tom. You know, as I mentioned, the other teams are going to look at that now and think, well, that's how they you play against Arsenal to, to pick up something. Um, I'm not naive enough to think that Newcastle believed that they would be able to last the 90 minutes playing that style of football um, and thought that they'd be able to beat us. But I thought they would have at least come and had a bit of a go. And I may, maybe five minutes or so, we saw that and we were opening them up a bit and we should have scored, in my opinion. In the first five to eight minutes, we looked really good. Um, and then I think they just reverted to what they probably thought was the best way to deal with us. And defensively, we need to give them credit, not just this game, this season. They've only conceded 11 goals. They definitely look in my opinion, very solid and defensively sound. Um, and I think, you know, we saw a couple of chances for Arsenal, but nothing really clear-cut other than Eddie. Uh, we had a, a header from Gabriel that went wide, and some would say that there's a couple of other chances we could have done better with. But for me, there was nothing clear-cut other than Eddie that I thought, wow, how's he missed that, really? There's nothing really there that I thought, wow, it should be three or four right now. Um, so they kept, us, they kept us quiet and they nullified everything that we tried to do. And unfortunately, we didn't have an answer for that. And I truly believe that's not because the manager didn't know what he was doing. I actually believe it's because we haven't got anything from the bench to try and change it. I mean, people would say, well, what's the manager doing? Well, what's he supposed to do? He's brought Tommy Aswan for Ben White, like you said earlier, because you felt that he was a little bit tired. But actually, what else was there? Maybe Fabio Vieira could have come on. Maybe you mm. try and go free at the back and try something to bring Martinelli and Saka deep to try and transition a bit. I don't know. We haven't got many options at the moment. There's no centre forward on the bench. I mean, we're going in a title race and we've got one centre forward. There ain't one on the bench. That's that's Pat. It can't that can't be Arsenal. We need to go and do something in January. So for me, mate, um, I kind of agreed a little bit with Arteta said, actually, because I felt that the first few minutes that they did come and have a little bit of a go. And I think what Arteta was meaning was that they realised quite quickly we need to revert to playing how we've never played before if we want to get anything out of this game. He was annoyed with that, but actually you can't be because teams have got to take points from people. So if that's how they've got to do it, that's how they've got to do it. I think I was a little bit disappointed because I've actually picked up Newcastle in terms of the way that they've played football, their attractiveness mm. of style of play. They've been really good to watch. I really like some of their players and I think their players very, very good. And, you know, I have to pick up Eddie Howe, Tom, if I'm honest with you. I know a lot of people laughed when he went to Newcastle because they were expecting a Conte, Simeone, Unai Emery type manager. But I actually thought it was a good appointment and it's proven to be so. And Eddie Howe, when he left Bournemouth, went and did something quite special, which was go and spend time in top elite managers like Klopp, like Simeone, Pep. And you can see all of those 
kind of little bits of play within their game. They're quite balanced. They've got a defensive side to them, as we saw. They've got a bite to them, as we saw. They can go in hard and tackle, like we saw. That's Simeone's style, style coming mm. out. We've seen the pep intensity. We've seen the Klopp intensity at times. So I think Teddy Howell deserves a hell of a lot of credit. And um, I think Newcastle are going to be fine this season. And when I say fine, I think they'll get top four. I really do. I think they're going to be very hard to beat. I think they're going to definitely destroy teams when they need to and when they're able to. And um, Eddie Howe knows what he's doing. So fair play to Newcastle. I understand why Arteta has come out and said that. I thought it was a little bit over the top, but I actually don't mm. mind it at the same at the same way. I quite like the fact that he's animated on the line. I quite like the fact he's painful that he's that we haven't won the game. But at the same time, um, I can understand why people think it's a little bit OTT with some of his comments <laughs> and reaction. But listen, I'm sure we'll come into it. A couple of VAR decisions could have gone our way and it could have been a different game. If Eddie's got his shooting boots on and, you know, it's a couple of millimetres here or there, it's 1-0 and we're all saying what a fantastic win. So it's fine margins in football, bruv. Really is. Yeah, very fine margins. Very fine margins. Now, on a different device, I think we may have solved the problem, <laughs> Wayne. How are we doing? <laughs> Uh, I actually don't know what went on there. The router dropped down as soon as I, as soon as you kicked it off. And uh, my mm. apologies, gents. That uh, that's something that never really happens. Uh, funny, I, I got a new router in the post today because I get new internet on the tent. Take it back, reasons. Wayne. Take it back. <laughs> For obvious reasons, that was that's exactly what was happening. He was actually screwing me because I got a new one in today. So. Uh, my apologies for that, but uh, no, that's all right, mate. That never happens, but we're back anyway. So where where are we? Yeah, just give us, give us. Obviously, I had a, had a chance to hear what you thought of the game overall. So briefly touch on that, and then to kind of add on top of that for the, the kind of next topic I was going to go on to, there was decisions that didn't necessarily go our way, and I want to hear all your thoughts on on how the game was officiated as well. Well, I suppose my thoughts on the game, uh, it's 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 been a good season uh, from a ment a, a mental health standpoint as an Arsenal fan, mm. which has been great, very very. Pretty much stress free the whole season, uh, you know, um, match after match. That's pretty much yesterday one of the only matches that I've actually been physically angry and um, like proper screaming, mm. shouting stuff. Like you know, and I was just like I couldn't get a hold of it because everything was um, the Newcastle, the antics of them was 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 very frustrating, and it was kind of one of these ones where you are watching. You knew what was coming. You knew what was happening. You could see they were going there. They were doing exactly the same thing they did at Anfield where they delayed everything. But, you know, old school tactics. Like, don't get me wrong. Ramsdale does it. We've seen Jens Lehmer do it in the past. It's it's old stuff. Like, you know, you know, bouncing the ball off the, the hoard and letting it go back and running after it again, wasting another few seconds. But Newcastle really have kind of mastered that this year. Um, and I think that's Eddie Howe's... When, when they go to the big guys, they like to do that. But that, was a, that match yesterday was... Um, it was frustrating for that reason because I was just hoping that we could break through and get get kind of get our credit, get our dues for for beating the team, for playing that that kind of way. Um, and we didn't get there in the end, but there was a couple of small, uh, as the hand said, football is a small margin game, and sometimes it's the smallest of margins that can get you over the line. And it, if it's a day where people are parking the bus, which Newcastle clearly did from 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 the minute from minute one. Um, you, you might rely on a piece of luck, either a piece of luck, a piece of brilliance, or a, a, a piece of officiating that should have really gone our way. Um, we, we didn't really get either of those or any of those. Uh, it's particularly the officiating, which um, I suppose we can we can, we can can burn straight into that because I thought there was really three. The last one, I thought it was really three. One at a time. I thought the Inketi one where he was absolutely manhandled. I about a lot, that one. 
Yeah, Fabian Schiff isn't on the back of him. Yeah, he just it absolutely just rips him. Like Tyrone Mings did that to Saka, and we got a penalty for it. Like, but yet the same thing happens in you know like mm. the exact same circumstances, it's, and it doesn't happen. Do you remember we Mings get that penalty? I feel like we didn't get that one on Saka and Mings. I feel like we didn't get it. But I know exactly what you're talking about. When yeah. he's threw him to the floor, I don't think we did get yeah. given it. Oh, that yes, yes, sorry, you're right. Because that's one of those ones where we are we put it into these compilations. Yeah, yeah. Where, yes, <laughs> we should have been. I was, was going to say, I was going to say odds, odds with it being Saka that we didn't get it because he never gets yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that one I thought was unbelievable that it didn't it never really got any attention. I was just like, but that's an absolute stonewall penalty. But anyway, we moved mm. on. We kept pressing. Then the next one, stop. It's it's a joke, like it's it's, it's an actual joke. If you look at the replay uh, from the from front side, his fly mm. Emirates goes from there over his shoulder, and his fly Emirates is on his back. It's not right here, like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not full on yeah. I don't know how and he does you, it. You know yeah. what? You know if, if if in old like the old days, if the referee missed it, the linesman missed it, you'd say, "Oh Christ, man!" That if that was seen, mm. but the fact that they have Stockley Park or Stockley Lane, whatever you call it, looking at that and just went. No thanks, lads. That we'll move on from there, because that was shambolic. The third one, the the third one you can debate all day. But I mean, there was a, like only two weeks ago there was a goal given in the World Cup final for the exact same thing. I know it was a little bit further away, but I mean the guy had his back to it. Um, this one's different. His arm was out, shoulder was up, the, changed the direction of the ball. That could comfortably be given. We would compl- like if I was an Arsenal, if I was um, any like a Liverpool fan, I'd be complaining because they didn't get the Gabriel one uh, in the Emirates. Yeah. So at least I, I'd be willing to draw a line through that last one, even though it probably should have been given. But we should have really had the the um, the Gabriel one in the in in the second half with Dan Bourne. I mean that is as like the only word to describe it is scandalous. Um, and officiating at the, at the best league in the world. Is just so inconsistent because you don't know what's coming. Um, there's there's decisions that are that are made that you think, you know, I can understand why they made that. It's a small little nick on the ball, or you got this, and you think, okay, that's what it's used for. But the most blatant and obvious ones that you can possibly see are completely overlooked, and it seems to be us that kids getting overlooked for them all the time. It's just, I think I they did that review it. of the the VAR and they deemed that that Erdegaard challenge in the Man United game was, yeah, was should have reversed. stood. The goal should have stood. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the thing with it all, the thing with it all that gets me though is the the inconsistency within it all in terms of PGMOL is Howard Webb's now come in mid season to be mm. the new boss for the refs and yet. He he's sort of saying he wants minimal interference, maximum benefit, which was kind of the, the whole point of VAR and the big flagship sale for it before it's it kind of came in. But within that, then you're changing the level of officiating within the season, which isn't right because that <coughs> means a game that was officiated, for example, as as against Liverpool earlier in the season, then you have a game later in the season, you're effectively playing with a different level. I know they like to talk about the the bars, don't they, of interference. You can't change that mid-season. I get you can say, all right, next season, it's going to be a lot less Mm. interference from VAR, but you can't change it midway through. I think on the incidents, I think the Nketiah one, whilst you look back at it at the time, I think he he is backing in. He isn't particularly going anywhere with it. It's it's one of those doesn't get given. If it was given against us, I'd be a bit annoyed about it, albeit he is all over it. The thing against it is he's not in full control of the ball. I think that's probably the the thing. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I I do think it's kind of of one of those. But if it was given against us, I would be a bit 
aggrieved, which is always the way I try right. to look at it. Go the handball, I think, if it's the handball, I think if it's given, mm. isn't overturned. It's mm. just on field that's not given. Agreed. What yeah. I can't get away from though is the Gabrielle one because I think, right. and I actually think it should have been spotted on field because the ball goes into the exact area he's going to win it. He was winning a lot of the aerial duels in there. Yeah. He had yeah, that in the first half. Yeah, that head he went right going, wide. Yeah. Yeah, he was going to get to that where Pope punches it. Is probably just above shoulder level, which is, yeah. it's not like he's got a full extension of his fist that's up in the air and Gabriel wouldn't get there. He would have got to it. That's the one. I, I think Arteta's coming out and saying, oh, two scandalous decisions against us. And I don't quite agree on that, as I say, but I do think, I well, do definitely. think of the three, yeah, I do think yeah. of the three, we should have had one. But the other two, I do think we we, we all could debate until we're blue in the face. But the Gabriel one for me is, is, is quite a bit of a stonewaller. But going yeah. when you're talking about the, barom- the, 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 the the levels of uh, interference and contact, uh, well, like we saw the inconsistency in that ruling and and, and that um, that uh, trailer thought, I suppose. Yeah, tra- for, for for what the what what the PGMOL are trying to implement mm. this season is just like let's okay, let's let a little bit flow. There was guys getting booked for the smallest little clip. He went, he went, um, he had five cards in the space of about yeah, six, I think seven, eight half. minutes. Yeah, I, th- I think with that, I think the point lost, he lost the it. point's been made. No, I, I think he was trying to do the reverse. I think he was trying. I'll dish out an early yellow and say, right, that's the line, lads. Don't step over it. And then they all just kept doing it, and and then it all <laughs> up, and he's lost control. Yeah, yeah, no one, no one would want to be a ref. I always like to sort of think we need to look at what well, we like did. They're picking and choosing than... their moments where they want to implement the con, the the the, the you know let let it let it flow. And, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna pull you and book you for the smallest little clip. So it's a change in the change of the whole team I, I, uh, I throughout the games yeah. here. I don't think the officiating was great, albeit no. I don't think that personally, I don't think that was the reason we didn't win the game. I don't think it was down to the officiating, albeit it, it wasn't great. And I think we, yeah. we sort of draw a line through that and move on. Yeah, I've said a number of times that if Arsenal are going to win the title, we, we can't be looking back at individual games and blaming yeah, anything but ourselves. Those, yeah. You know, we have to get through. You've got to take the game away from the referee and come away with it. You know, we've done that against, say, you know, the Liverpool game. We took that game away from the referee at times. And yes, we had some fortune with the Gabriel Hamble, arguably. But, you know, there's there's been games this season where we've taken the referee's annoyance and inconsistency. I think Fulham at home, maybe when I wasn't particularly happy with the referee in performance either, you know, we took that away from the referee as well. So we need to do that again. Now, Dan, I, I named this show, um, if you can't win, don't lose, um, because I think that's probably the, the best way of looking at this one. I also think it's one of the reasons why maybe he didn't take off one of our midfielders for a Vieira. You know, I think he, he realised that if I do that, I'm probably going to leave us too exposed. And whilst we can try and win it, we might end up losing this one. But in this game, you know, Newcastle still did offer some things on the other end. And whilst we were kind of questioning what we were doing in attack... I thought Zinchenko in the second half was unbelievably good. And I thought that Gabriel had a really good game across the board as well. So it is, whilst we can kind of moan about the refs and the the lack of finishing, it is good to know that we've got this foundation that we're building from that is still so good. Yeah, absolutely. And the three subs that were warming up were Elneny, Tierney and Tomiyasu (laughs) for Mm. most of the game, which proves that he was not going attack-minded at all. He was more than happy for... 
us to keep things going and balanced at the back. And you're right, Sinchenko and Gabriel towards the left-hand side of our pitch were absolutely sensational. I thought Boganic Chaka in the second half come into it really well. Um, I thought Thomas Party throughout the whole game was so... I, I just love Thomas Party, mate. Mm. Everything about this guy is just ridiculous. He's absolutely pivotal. If we want to be going for a title, we, he just cannot get injured. He just categorically cannot. We cannot not have him in the team. Um, mm. It's a huge, huge drop-off. Probably the biggest drop-off for me in terms of positions. So mm-hmm. I think that that's... Um, that's key. But um, you're right, because you can't blame referees. Um, you can blame referees for getting decisions wrong. You can't blame referees for not getting a result. You know, um, that's the di- that's the difference, because decisions, uh, people think, cost you the game when actually you-, you shouldn't have to worry about decisions. You should have to forget it and carry on and, and win the game without having to have the referee on your side. So um, I find the Gabriel one very shocking, like you said. I think Dan Byrne and Gabriel, that's just for me, is madness. Um, I didn't think it was ball really. I think if that's, if that's Tierney or Tommy Asu or Ben White, we're going mental, aren't we? You know, right, So yeah. I get that one. But um, for me, it was, it was blatant. The referee lost control in the first half, in my opinion, by doing that just to anybody you fancy. Um, didn't understand that at all. I know what Guy's saying in terms of, you know, trying to go the other way and say, look, I'm not mucking around today, mate. You're going to get booked. But it completely backfired to him and he was just having to book everyone he felt. So it was very odd. Um, but Newcastle, like I said, made it difficult. And I don't think that we had any answer to that. I think with Arteta, what you've mentioned about him not losing the game, I think is credit to what he's built over the last couple of seasons in terms of player personnel. I think if you was to look at our strength in depth, you don't really look at the back five and think, wow, where are we gonna what are we gonna do here with Tommy Asu and Ben White on the right hand side? Saliba's been for me okay, dodgy in the last couple of games due to lack of football, in my opinion, but mm. was good again last night. Gabriel, I thought was immense. Sinchenko and Tierney have got that competition at left back so you don't look at any of those positions and go oh dear I'm not really confident there so I think that you're right Tom he's built from the back and the foundations are there and that's exactly um, what everybody said they felt we needed to do and now we're trying to put the final pieces of the puzzle we pray and hope in January uh, to get some firepower because we really need it on the bench and it's interesting what you say about Vieira and Marquinhos you know I don't know perhaps I'll pose the question to you three guys like does he trust these two yet? Does he feel that this was a game that they were ready for? Or was it just that he didn't want to change any of the top kind of four players because it was just a drop-off? Because he could have made a change. Erdegaard wasn't having a great game. Martinelli wasn't absolutely lightning for me. Saka was trying, but they were just three or four players on each. Saka and Martinelli. So there was an opportunity for change something. I just felt personally that he just didn't feel like that was the position to do. And I felt like he was going to weaken the squad by doing that. And that's an issue for me moving forward. Yeah, I think Erdegaard's a bit like Ozil, I think, in the sense that like there's games where you you probably should take him off, but you know he's capable of producing that one ball that wins you a game. Absolutely. Now, I think there's a differences, of course, between Erdegaard and Ozil. I think in particular his energy, his pressing, his leadership on the field is so far and away above what Ozil provided. But, you know, ability-wise, there is characteristically in the way they play with their left foot, there is a lot of similarities there, especially with the vision they both possess. But and I think that's probably the reason why he didn't take him off. So I just think he the way the form that Erdegaard's been in, he can just produce that pass that you think is going to win you a game. And he nearly did a couple of times. I think you know, the first ten minutes of the game, we could have won it. We could have won the game in the first ten minutes with the way that we played. And there was that sack of chance that we had that Pope made a good save. Arguably, he could have squared it across. Um, 
and there was a couple of other chances in and around where we were really pressing. And if we got a goal in that first 10 minutes, like we did against Brighton, you know, teams don't go to Brighton and score four goals, but you do if you score early. And I feel as though if we'd have done that in this game, a similar outcome probably would have happened. Yeah. Now, the, the theme across everything that we've talked about and the question you asked there about Vieira and should have Vieira come on, I think there's reasons why he didn't. I think it's because he just felt the players were on the pitch were the ones that probably were going to win us the game. Um but we all know that we are we are missing Jesus. We are missing Smith Rowe, who we hear hopefully will be starting the game against Oxford, which is really good news. Um, and we're missing firepower. Now, we can't really talk about that without talking about transfers. And we're going to get onto that now, which I know everyone's favourite topic in the world is that. Guy, I'm going to start with you on this. The Mikhailo Madrid story, you came and we, we spoke about this before we went on air. You know, you, you said you're getting a bit nervous about this one now and it's taken these twists and these turns. And Chelsea have obviously come in. Um, they've had a meeting today with the Shakhtar uh, director, Serna. I believe he used to play for Shakhtar, didn't he? I think yeah, he's a he right did, yeah, back. Yeah. Former, yeah, former Croatia. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Leg- um, legendary international footballer who played at about a million international tours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of those, yeah. he's He was in London today. By the way, just remind people, Arsenal also play in London, so there's a good chance that he's also here to have a chat with us at the same time. But he is obviously here to have a meeting with, with Todd Bowley. It's, it's reported by The Telegraph. He's the one that's instigated this whole thing. Where's your head at with this in regards to the player, in regards to the, the figures we're starting to talk about and when Arsenal might need to cut the cord? Uh, I mean, all due respect, the figures and, and, and none of my business, if you know what I mean. If, if he comes in and he's the player who adds what we need to the squad, he's priceless. So mm. if that's going to be the case, get the deal done. Uh, for me, it's a it's a head and heart scenario. When we were first being rumoured with him in the summer and the compilations start going around of, of what he can do, and this is what I said to you before we started, for me, it looked like kind of a, a hybrid of the best of Alex Kleb and the best of Andre Arshavin merged into one player as a regen. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> two, two, two players who I really enjoyed watching at the Arsenal, it'd be brilliant to, to have him. Um, and then it's felt as though as time's gone on, this is just going to inevitably be something that happens. They'll meet in the middle and the figures will be done. Whether or not Chelsea coming into the equation is a bit not too dissimilar, obviously, as, as what happened in the summer with, with Gabriel Jesus, a bit of a, a livener for us to actually get the deal done and realise what's ahead of us and what needs doing. Equally, I think Edu and Arteta, when they when they put big money down on players, their their talent ID needs trusting. If they feel this is the guy, they'll push the button and they'll get the deal done. As I say, the figures will become irrelevant as to to what happens. The problem we can't have is it's kind of a, a Nicola Pepe Mark II, which I, I just don't think under this administration and how we run now would happen. Um, I, I hope we can still get it done. But equally, if the figures aren't what Arsenal are willing to pay and they don't want to do it, and Chelsea do, Chelsea are quite happy to to jump in. Obviously, Rafinha, another one in the summer we were looking at, they jumped ahead and then in came Barcelona. So let's wait and see what happens with it. But equally, if it doesn't, I am I'm sure we will have other players lined up and it mm. won't be a second rate option. It will be another player who may may even fit slightly differently and configure differently into the attack, but equally will be a player that Mikel Arteta and Edu will, will trust to, to bring in and come in and do it. But as I say, I do hope it is done because he does look electric. He does look exciting, but whether or not we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, we will have to wait and see. Wayne, on Mudrick, you know, and you'll be able to tell me if I'm wrong on your view on this, but we've, you know, we've had a number of discussions about Mudrick over the last week or so. From your perspective, it's, it sounds as though that the players' desire to move to Arsenal is the key thing here and that Chelsea have got a hell of a job trying to convince him to change his mind. And at the same time, Arsenal feel confident that they can maybe 
bid less than Chelsea and end up getting the player because of how keen he is on moving to the club. Well, he agreed personal terms about three months ago. Um, so <laughs> yeah. there's no uh, there's no uh, no question that he wants to come here. Like, and look at we only have to look at that interview that he did with Zinchenko's wife. Mm. Um, like, you can look at the end of it when somebody somebody got the translation done and they put the subtitles up, and she's just like, hopefully we can have a, a conversation in the winter um, under different circumstances. And he turns around, the camera goes back to him, and he goes as a gunner. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, this guy is absolutely screaming to sign for Arsenal. <laughs> Probably because he's on €1,500 Euro a week over in Ukraine and he's getting a nice little pay rise over here. But yeah. it's, um, regardless of that, I, I do think that he's absolutely screaming to come here. From all accounts, I believe Zinchenko is in his ear um, as well, which is a massive advantage. Um, plus the fact that um, Chelsea are coming in late. They're going in with this scattergun approach, just trying to blow blow it out of the water. But like, if you if you if you read through the lines, it's hard to believe that Chelsea are going to to get them, or that we're second behind Chelsea. Even the Romano's tweets are saying that um, Chelsea are going to blitz them with eighty eight million pounds. Mm. But yeah, they're still behind Arsenal. So how can how can Chelsea bidding eighty eight million pounds be behind a club who's negotiating at around the sixty six million mark? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If it, if, if it was that, it, we'd be out of it if that was the case. But it's not. It's the players going to make the call here. Uh, I think the player really wants to come to us. The other thing yeah. that I find really bizarre is people are saying, "Oh, Arsenal are interested in where does he fit into the Arsenal team?" Well, yeah, granted that that's a fair enough thing. Martinelli's been playing brilliantly off the left for me. Smith Rowe's best positions off the left as well, but. You look at Chelsea. Chelsea haven't even nailed down a formation under Graham Potter. Mm-hmm. They've got the likes of Sterling and Pulisic who both play off the left-hand side as well. It's no no sort of guarantee that he's going to do that. And equally, this is a player who lit up in the Champions League group stages early on this season. And I'm sure part of a, a big part of the motivation for him is he wants to continue to play in the Champions League and be that kind of level player. Mm-hmm. Again, Chelsea are miles off qualifying. Tenth. <laughs> exactly. Tenth right now. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Mm. What's been uh, what's been kind of the, the narrative that's been pushed this evening from Matt Law is that it's Todd Bowley himself pushing this deal and not Potter, because Potter, mm. by all accounts, is um, like the, me and Delaney had a good article out this evening where he, basically if you if you go deep into it, it makes perfect sense that they're giving him as much time as he wants because he basically has about four managers worth of players there that <laughs> are all for different systems, yeah, and he has to come in with his own system that he doesn't have the players for. So they're just going to say, look, take your time, get what you need. If if we can't get mothers, we go somewhere else. But like, they, if, by all accounts, they're looking to spend about four or 500 million by the end of January since last summer. Mm. Like they're looking at they're 120 on, on Enzo. They're looking at, they've already signed that guy. Uh, Adi Ashil. Uh, yeah, if they signed him. They're also going to be looking for, yeah. They're also Andre Santos. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. also looking at um, Marcus Duram, apparently. Oh really? So I it's mean, like, it's mad. The, how much it's have we mad. got in the well here? Yeah, I think it's I think what's mad about the whole Chelsea thing is that they've got a manager who that if they invest time into could turn them into something in the long term that you know 
continues to be competitive at the top. The similar way that Arsenal stuck with Arteta, a project manager, and starting to see the benefits of that. But the difference between the two clubs is that Chelsea have got kind of this owner that thinks he's playing FIFA career mode at this stage, and he's just like got this financial backing. He's just going to go, I'm going to buy this guy, this guy. Oh, Arsenal interested in this guy. And you know what really pleased the fans is if we beat Arsenal to one of our, one of their targets. Yeah, it yeah. feels very much that way rather than it being a measured approach, as you said. You've got you've got Pulisic. You've got Sterling there as well. They're signing you know, in Kunku. And Kunku's coming in. He can play off the left. Mount their, can play off the left as well. Hudson Odoi as well there. Uh, yeah. Hudson Odoi is coming back from loan at the end of the yeah. season. Yeah. yeah, by Leverkusen. And, he's, and he, I think he's done quite well since going to the Bundesliga, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's it, it's very strange. Um, Dan, Mudrick, where's your head at with this one? Feel free to, to shoot your shot on this one. Yeah, I'm not too worried because I feel from what, well, listen, I can only go by what you're told, can't you, and what you hear. Um, he's got his heart set on Arsenal. It looks to me as if he, it's going to happen. Um, my only concern would be that Shakhtar Donetsk don't accept anything that's over a certain amount. If Arsenal really want him, they're going to have to pay for him and it is going to have to be Pepe money from what we're being told. So sure. um, Chelsea will do that. They'll say, you know, he's 75, here you go, have 100. Right, because this bloke's nuts, by the way. This Todd Bowley mm. guy is mental. Like Enzo, yeah, go on then. We'll just, what's his release cause? Oh, it's about 100 and yeah, just do it. Just do it. What do you mean, just do it? Hang on, it's 120. Yeah, just get him. All right, okay. <laughs> Apparently, right, let's get him. Um, as well. Apparently, he just chucks money around. Mad, absolute though. mad, mate. So, mm. you can't compete with that. You know, Arsenal can't compete with that. We're not crazy. And financial fair play is, as Man City found out, is basically like getting a parking fine. So, you just do it. Just pay the fine. Um, so, there's no point, is there? It doesn't work. It's absolutely embarrassing, if I'm honest with you, the financial fair play. Um, and I would encourage Arsenal to do it now that I've seen what the... What the uh, what the uh, the, the uh, fine is, you might as well just do it, mightn't you? And you know what I mean? It's mad. You might as well just you go get away with 400 it. Million. City. 400 you know, million. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to give you a nine million pound fine. Do you want it in pound coins or fivers? What do you want it in? <laughs> it's absolutely embarrassing. It really is shocking. So for me, I think we need to, um, we need to be serious about how far we're going to go with this and accept that we ain't going to get this guy for 50 million. He might cost 70 or 80. And if you really want the guy, you're going to have to stump it up because Chelsea will. And then people will go, yeah, but Mudrick won't want Chelsea. Will he not? £300,000 a week. I'll go on then. I might as well go. That's what will happen. <laughs> he will. He's not going to sit there and go, well, no. He, so, you know. People I, I, saying that Zinchenko's a pool. I mean, he can still catch up with Zinchenko in London if he signs to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't sit there Real and Madrid say that, just paid um, £60 for a 15-year-old. So, you're yeah. right, Dan. We just need to stump it up. Listen. This is a, this is a I, different market. I, what now. I get frustrated with, and Tom knows my thoughts on this, I get frustrated with the Arsenal accountants in the fan base. I really do. It really frustrates <laughs> the hell out of me. We should not be paying that much money. We're the Arsenal. We do not pay that much. I'll stop. We want to go and win a title, yeah? Just go and pay the 20 million, whatever it is, for Jao Felix. If that's oh, see, I disagree with you there, but go carry on. Go and buy it, yeah. Go and spend the money. If it's, if it's, if it's 80 million for Mudrick, go and spend it. We're going to spend 100 million and it wins us a title. I'm not going to sit there and go, I wish we would have won the title without spending that. I'm going to say, we yeah. won a title. Let's go and do it. I'm not an accountant. Like we leave a Bamiyang and everyone's going, oh, seven million pounds saved. I couldn't give a damn. I spend that. I've probably spent that as an Arsenal fan. I don't care about how much money we're spending. I am not an accountant. I don't care how much money Arsenal spend. I know very little about how much money we got. So I'm not going to sit there and say, Arsenal can't afford 20 million because I'll be lying to you because they might be able to. So I don't understand that logic personally. You go and spend what you think is going to win you a title. And if 20 million for Jao Felix and 80 million for Mudrik is going to win us a title, I'll be pissed off if we didn't go and do it. 
and we save that 100 million to what? Try and compete for fourth. Let's go and win the title, man. It's there. Go and do it. I think, I think the idea is that they're using or going to look to use some of the summer budget uh, banking on the fact that we can get a top four finish and get us Champions League football, which makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. So the the, the it, are, 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 are quite willing to put their hands in their pockets. I reckon it's going to be done. And to be honest with you, if you get the likes of a Mudrich in and keep him away from Chelsea, that's another win. Mm. Because if, if they get him and we don't, you know, and they start adding and get a player like that in, like that guy rip you apart, like on the break, <laughs> you know, if you, if you, if he, if he gets his, if he gets his way with you on the, in the Emirates or, or wherever, or, or the bridge or wherever, but it's, it's a player that I don't want to lose to them for sure. Or to anybody really, you know, I think that when you look at, when you look at the game, when we played Chelsea at Stamford bridge, for me, that was the big turning point. That, that was the moment where Arsenal went above Chelsea. That was the not just in the league. I'm talking about in the context of the two teams. Yeah. We are ahead of Chelsea. We are now a more attractive prospect than Chelsea. We are just a chaotic mess at this stage. They're going to have to buy their way with wages through to players if they're going to compete with clubs like Arsenal and Man City. You have to keep for, your foot on the foot on the throat, Tom. Absolutely, yeah. And if you are, yeah, and this is another moment in the season against say, a club like Chelsea where we can show that we have that pulling power. And that if Mudrick wants to join Arsenal, Flex a bit, yeah. what, what would be even more impressive is, is if we do sign him for, say, less money than what Chelsea are willing to offer. That that in yeah. itself is a, is a massive indication that, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, Barcelona did it with Rafinha. And I think that, I think it was, um, I think it was, no, it was, it was Miguel Delaney that said um, that there's a lot of similarities between this and the Rafinha deal in the summer. You know, Chelsea wanted Rafinha. They were willing to pay whatever Leeds wanted for Rafinha. He wanted Barca. Barca didn't really have the money and had to wait and gradually found their way to a deal that was still, I think, less than what Chelsea ultimately offered in the first place and what they were willing to pay. And they got it because he wanted to go to Barcelona. It wasn't going to be earning as much a Barca as he, he would have done moving to Chelsea, but he wanted that. And we have also got to now bank and hope that that similar thing happens with Madrid. I think the difference there's, there's between best, that... Best of four go weeks on, of the window as well, though, isn't there? There's best, of, best part of four weeks of the window left where yeah. if Mudrick wants this deal... He needs to play his part too. We've seen what he's been doing on Instagram as well. But mm. sit tight, sit tight. No one's going to force you to sign that contract with Chelsea and it will still be there on the table come the 31st of January. If by the 31st of January, all talks are broken down. And even then, there's no sort of thing to say. Arsenal won't just say, right, let's do this in the summer. Shakhtar still want to get Champions League qualification. And the best mm. chance they're going to have of doing that is with Mudrick in their side. So... I, I think it will get done this month and I think he, he probably will come to Arsenal. But personally, I don't see actually there's a definitive outcome of it's either us now or definitely Chelsea. If he if he really has his heart set on Arsenal, like we're all led to believe, he could play the long game. Mm, it's, it'll be intriguing if that happens because I don't think he'll submit a transfer request. I think there's a little bit of the... Because of the ultimate situation with Ukraine... Yeah. I don't think that, that Mudrick's going to want to rock the boat too much there and come across like a bad guy, you know, which is pushing it already with some of the things he's doing on Instagram and stuff like that. <laughs> it does make that a little bit strange. Um, to finish the show, um, because I probably want to get a, a chance to catch up with you guys before the, the, the transfer window closes, I want to kind of get a prediction from you guys about what you think will happen between now and January. Th- or I say January 31st, more so now and February 1st. Uh, Dan, I'll start with you. What is your... I'll, I'll do it this way. What is your desire for this window? And when what do you think is going to happen? 
my desire, and I'm going to be realistic about this, I'm not going to throw Jude Bellingham's and Declan Rice's at you. Um, <laughs> but what I will say is I think realistically, Mudrick is, a, is an option. I think Jao Felix, from what I hear, is an option. And I also believe that there would be an Ibrahim Sangare-type midfielder needed to come in to provide some competition for Thomas Partey. Um, what Big do I think is going to happen? Uh, yeah, I like that guy. What mm. I think is going to happen, um, I think it will be Mudrick. Um, and I think it will be maybe one more midfielder, but I don't know who. Mm. I don't think no. we'll get a forward. I don't think we'll go for Felix. I just don't see that. I think Man United will probably get him because they're, they're crazy. They'll pay, yeah, well, it's 21 million. We'll give you 25. You'll compete on 500k a week as well. <laughs> they're nuts, mate. Fight, they're mental. Yeah. They're absolutely mental, mate. Man United are another team that just pay unbelievable money for players. So I expect Felix will probably go there for the money. Um, but I think Mudrick will come Arsenal, but I think we'll get another midfielder. It could be Tielemans. It could be Danilo. It could be someone we're not even linked with yet. But I think that he will look at, at strengthening those two positions this window. Guy. Uh, yeah, I think I think two. Um, I think there'll be maybe an outgoing or two. We'll have to wait and see on that as well. But yeah, I, I, I think Mudrick to supplement the forward line. Smith Rowe obviously comes back as well. That adds a body. I'm not going to say he's one of mine, like a new signing type players, but he does come back into the fold, having hardly featured this season. And then for me, and it is the desire, but I do really hope it happens. We need another centre midfielder. We've gone through the last three windows of leaving ourselves a midfielder short. Nick Xhaka has been brilliant in that left-hand side role. But personally for me, we need someone maybe with a bit more penalty box instinct in and around that area. He's obviously got weighed in with a couple of goals and he's, he's had big contributions. But as we started looking back at the Newcastle game, that chance where he's reaching, he's, he's not on his toes in and around the box. Got someone who's, who's more used to being in and around those positions, I'd like to think, would have been quick to react and, and may well provide a bit more of a, a, a thrust and threat. I, I would stay away from Tielemans and stay away from Shao Felix Um I don't have a name for you, but yeah, for me, it it wouldn't be a, a Partey uh, replacement option. I would I would go big in the summer on one of those type players. But yeah, I'd like to think a, a left side central midfield option alongside uh, Mahalo Madrid. Yeah. And Wayne? I honestly believe that um, Arteta has a long-term vision for Shaka's replacement and it's Fabio Vieira long-term. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think he's going to spend that type of money on him. He's a young lad. I think he can. Arteta is banking on the fact that okay, we do have a small squad, but he's banking on the fact that he can get through the season. We've got this far with party touch wood, but um, I think he's banking on the fact that Shaka, by all accounts, re- rarely misses games with injuries, uh, if if ever, um, mm. and he's just gonna cling on to him as a kind of a uh, and, and and just let Fabio Vieira kind of uh, d- develop by training with us week in week out. And, um, but if I was to put my money on it um it's it's Mudrich for sure i'm i'm 100 convinced he's he's, he's going to be an arsenal player by the end of the window um it's clipping that, clipping that up yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna lie like i look eddie i like um he's I, i've i've warmed to him over the, over um a long period it took a long period of time for me to warm to him but he came back he worked hard and you have to credit somebody who gets stuck in but his work rate off the ball is was what is what just doesn't quite sit with me. Like he scored a couple of goals, but like there was a couple of times last night where he just wasn't quite pressing. And it'll, it, you know, I think we might look at a, a, a for another forward because what happens if Eddie pulls a hamstring? He's out for seven weeks. We have nobody. 
Mm. So I think that's that true. Theory... But in terms of what is being built longer term, mm. uh, the the thing for me with a forward not coming in is we've got Balogun who's scoring goals for fun in League, League One. That's like, why uh, I think a unless, loan makes sense. Un- yeah, unless we cash in on him in the summer and actually we've already brought someone in. But mm. then again, we're reducing his market value if there's no place for him. He to was at Colney today, by Austria. the way, Balogun. Right. Um, if we, we could get a loan yeah. deal in the right circumstances for Felix, that with no obligation but with an option. And he was a success. Yeah, but that option is going to be a hundred million. You know that, right? <laughs> I, yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think that's a realistic part of that deal. I think the I think yeah, the sticking that's, I think that's point what is, for. is yeah. I, I don't think they want a, a mandatory obligation to buy. Mm. I think that the sticking point is how much of a loan fee they want. They want what fifteen million for a loan fee and well, covering yeah, six million, million pound wages. Fee, yeah. Yeah, well, apparently probably 15 million, million wages. covers the fee plus wages for one no. season, but we're only getting a half season over. No, 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 it's for half the season. They want 15 yeah. million and yeah. six to cover his wages. They want 21 mm. million overall. It's, it's, oh, it's dead in the water at that. If yeah. if they come down to six and six and it's a 12 million pound package, who's maybe someone's twisting your arm? Not for me if we've already got Mudrick because Felix yeah. is just another one of like, those type flair again, the Again, the beauty of the Felix one is that he's another player who desperately, desperately wants to get out. Yeah, um, mm. he's, he's there's there's an exodus going on at Atletico Madrid, uh, and he's just the next the one out. there as well. The talent is there with, with he's Felix. He's a fabulous player. Just don't you don't know if he's going to sit the league. He's playing like Simeone, Dan. They, they want to get out, wouldn't they? They're playing <laughs> under him. <laughs> why don't, no, why, 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 it just wouldn't surprise me if we got the. It wouldn't surprise me if we got the Madrid deal done, and we somehow negotiated something for Felix because Thielen's by all by all accounts is and from last summer has been eyeballed for next summer for nothing so I mean that's I reckon we'd be having those conversations with him yeah. right now as we speak to getting the red mm. you know what I mean in the background with his with his people but I think he would definitely be looking at coming in the summer there's your there's your Shaka um, competition slash replacement or yeah, agree. Uh, whatever you need there with a Vieira in on top for a Euro. But we've, that's that's building the proper amount of depth you need. We're, as I said, we're ahead of schedule here. We have to re- remember that we're ahead of schedule. So what we're achieving now is is what is, is an over... It's, it's really an overachieving from, for the squad we have. We shouldn't be where we are, but we are. And we still probably have to stick to a financial plan to get ourselves to where Arteta and Edu want us to be next year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. we, we'd probably be more competitive next year, but more it'll be more sustainable and it'll be it will be much more depth to our squad next year and because we've done it to a plan um and we've done it smart. But this year we just have to try and take advantage of whatever yeah, we can agreed. to it's get ourselves balance. over the line. Yeah. yeah. It's but the balance. And that's that's where my, you know, Dan, where you talk about the Arsenal accountant heads, you know, that's where that's where mine comes into it a little bit because I go, Well, you're right in saying if we spend a hundred million, but we get, you know, and we win the title, great. But what if we spend a hundred million, don't win the title, and that then affects the next summer and the winter well, that's after that? You need Stan Kroenke, mate. Yeah. That's when you need Stan Kroenke. <laughs> and that's, yeah. you know, listen, like that's yeah. where you need you your owner to, to step up and go, well, hang on a minute. Is it what, Janine? 100 million? All right, let's, uh, I'll, I'll let you have that for next year as well. That's what mm. he needs to do. He owes us, man. He, this, is, this, this isn't all love you stand where, they don't you know, he's, he needs to own us. Come on, man. They, 
they take loans over against yeah against there's a new report the other day about a 70 million yeah. loan or something being discussed yeah. so no, yeah, if we were in a position tom this is a serious thing here. if we're in a position where we by taking a risk of spending 100 million in january is going to mess up our summer then maybe we're in as big a club as i thought we were because we should have billionaire owners that are going to allow us to try and take that risk to win a title this is a title this isn't trying to squeeze in the top four by the way this is a title come on man yeah let's go do it no, let's go do fair. it well, come on cronky fair. Um, well, that's a good way get to get your end. money out. <laughs> get your money out, Venga. We'll see no what way. happens between now and the end of the window. We'll, of course, be bringing you content all across that, and you'll be able to catch, um, as well, Dan producing content. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show over on the 12th uh, Man podcast and the Judges TV. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. Much appreciated. Welcome. Listen, man, thank you so much, mate. And, um, always a pleasure coming on Guna Talk TV. And, uh, make sure you like and subscribe, people, because what Tom's Absolutely. doing is superb. Thanks for having me on, man. Checks in the post. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. <laughs> uh, Guy, always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. It's been too long, and uh, I hope to speak to you again soon. Yeah, pleasure as always. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for the invite. Absolutely. <coughs> and lastly, Wayne, once again, it's been even longer. Uh, but thank you so much for jumping back on. We sorted out the uh, the internet eventually, uh, and hopefully, we can get a full show in next time without any interruptions. <laughs> I need to get Stan. I need to get Stan Cronky to pay my internet bill. There, you know, that'd be, be the one that get us over the line here. You know, but uh, yeah, great meeting you guys, Guy and Dan. Tell the judges I said hello. And uh, oh, Tom, we won't leave it this long the next time for sure. We get it. We get it moving. Yeah, I was saying to the uh, to Guy and Dan uh, earlier that you were you were one of the TGT OGs back in the day, you know. Mm. Um, episode one, were, maybe or two. <laughs> were we, well, I think we were on yeah. episode one with Craig on the yeah. first ever show. Yeah, with Mems back as when you well, were potentially. Against, Tom. Yeah, who would have thought? You know, who would have mm. thought from that moment to now? Uh, speaking of which, thank you so much, everyone. that's helped subscribe. We just hit forty two thousand, so thank you so much for that uh, as wow. well means a lot um but yes you can follow dan on twitter at dan arsenal 87 you can follow wayne at remontada vv although that might change when this one gets us no no it's good no. we're back we're okay we're good okay <laughs> no and uh, you can follow guy on twitter at guy clark zero five uh all producing great stuff either on socials or on their own channels as well i'll be i'm waiting for wayne to start up his own show uh, i'm looking forward to that <laughs> maybe you'll get that in never amongst the golf can't fit it in just god no probably right yeah Amongst the golf tape. I'd start a golf podcast in a hurry. Yeah, no, I'd listen. I'm getting into it now. I'm trying. I'm trying. Although I've got to send you a funny photo because I slipped on the first green the other day and I bought this whole new uh, golf jacket. Mud all up the arm. Took two washes to get it all out. It was brilliant. (laughs) Not Um, the time of year to be falling, Tom. No, it's not. Yeah, it was uh, 28th of December. It weren't pretty. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for listening. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. We'll also be bringing you the next episode of the Eat Sleep Arsenal repeat podcast with Sophie Raj and Owen, which we're recording later on tonight. We'll be talking a little bit more about Gabriel Jesus' return after he's now ditched the crutches. So hopefully a positive update on that. And Smith Rowe, of course, returning against Oxford too. See you soon. Have a great evening. And as always... Up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mook delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.